You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is season six, episode seven. Rebecca Lyons is a national speaker and best-selling author of You Are Free, Be Who You Already Are, and Free Fall to Fly, a breathtaking journey toward a life of meaning. Rebecca has been described as an old soul with a contemporary, honest voice, revealing her own battles to overcome anxiety and depression. Her work has been featured on Good Morning America, CNN, Huffington Post, Publishers Weekly, and more. Rebecca and her husband Gabe are the leaders of the Q Conference in Nashville, Tennessee, which is an annual gathering showcasing educational talks by thought leaders and stories from change makers that inspire and equip Christian leaders for culture-shaping conversations. In this episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Rebecca for a short conversation about her latest book titled Rhythms of Renewal, Trading Stress and Anxiety for a Life of Peace and Purpose. Through transparent personal stories and in-depth research, Rhythms of Renewal invites the reader to establish daily habits of creating and sustaining emotional, relational, and spiritual health. Rhythms of Renewal offers four mindful rhythms of rest, restore, connect, and create. I was interested in having this conversation with Rebecca, as I know many of us on the creative path have wrestled with stress and anxiety in our personal lives and in our creative processes. And the wisdom that Rebecca lives on these pages offers not only a sense of hope, but a practical pathway to get there. This is my conversation with author and speaker, Rebecca Lyons. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me on the Makers and Mystics podcast. It's an honor to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful to be here. Absolutely. Well, I've been reading your new book, Rhythms of Renewal, and I love this and I'm excited to introduce it to our audience of artists and creatives. I think there's a lot of wisdom in here uh, for those pursuing the creative path. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> I need it. I need it and for my creativity. So hopefully it'll help other people as well. Absolutely. Well, I'd love to start right at the beginning and just ask you to describe some of the experiences that you had that led you to write this book. Sure. Well, it started with about nine years ago. My husband and I moved our three children to Midtown Manhattan from the suburbs of the South. And it was very, it was a missional, obedient kind of risk taking midlife reset. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we um, we run a nonprofit called Q, and it's all about engaging the t cultural tensions of our time from a lens of faith. And so we thought, well, what better way to do this personally than to just plant ourselves um, uproot from Christianville and go to the city. And, and it was very exciting. And my youngest was starting kindergarten. So that proverbial decade of being home full time was drawing to a close and I was trying to wake into who I was before kids and trying to navigate all that. And four months into our time in New York, I had my first panic attack. Mm. So I'm thinking I'm like just pursuing meaning. I was going back to Parsons School of Design down in Union Square with students half my age and kind of had a background in creativity that I was trying to foster again. And instead I had this like crippling panic 
fear, uh, anxiety that took over um, in all tight spaces, which is planes, trains, elevators, subways, and crowds. So mm-hmm. everything in, in New York. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That yeah, was a great timing, God. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was just staring at me head on, and um, it was a, one of the hardest years of my life because. I wanted so desperately to just like leave and run from that fight or flight was in high, high demand to just go back to Atlanta and just forget, forget all the aspirations or the, the holy imagination we thought we had to go there. Mm-hmm. And yet God had me there for a reason. And I knew that I had to just submit and surrender to the process, but it was very pruning and just stripping away and reminding me how frail I am. And mm-hmm. How, how desperate I need God. And New York does that for pretty much anyone. Anyways, it's like a crisis of faith on some level and then, <laughs> right. and then a resurrection on some level. Right. So for me, that just took the form of mental illness. And about a year in, I remember being with a group of girls. We met every Tuesday and we called it a Bible study, but it was definitely a support group with some scripture thrown in. <laughs> we were just <laughs> in the survival mode. And I remember them praying over me that day and that night I woke in the middle of a panic attack now in my bed, you know, it wasn't just small spaces. It was now just anywhere. And I just felt flooded to just crap for rescue. And, and for the first time I was flooded with peace, like a overwhelming calm. Mm. And I thought, well, this is interesting because normally I have to run from the room for the panic to subside. I have to exit the, the, the circumstance that's making me so fearful, but this just stopped like in the middle And so the next morning I walk out of my apartment and realize um, that when you're sick, you only look inward. But when healing begins, I believe you look up and you look out and you begin to see everyone else. Mm -hmm. And for that first time that day, I noticed people just like me walking the streets of my city and I would get on the subway and it was as if the world was coming in living color. And I would like watch people's expressions and try to read behind the eyes and watch how they would um, interact with each other. And thought, wow, there's like a whole lot of us that are living in fear. Mm -hmm. A whole lot of us that are stressed out of our minds and we're just trying to do the next best step that we can take and yet we don't really know what to do. (laughs) I started meeting with women one by one. I started studying mental health, especially from a lens of faith and realized one in four of us are struggling with anxiety or depression. That was, again, 11, I'm sorry, nine years ago. Whereas today, now four out of five of us are experiencing physical symptoms of stress. So 77% of us feel racing heart, sleepless nights, shallow breathing. So it's clear that there's an epidemic. Mm -hmm. And I'm in some ways grateful that I experienced some of this alone um, before it was like a a household name. Mm -hmm. I I didn't really have anyone to give me framework for it. So it just meant I had to just submit to even this rhythm this invitation of rhythm for sustained health that i believe god set when he established the created order Mm -hmm. in rhythm and he made our bodies to function within a universe in rhythm so we've got heartbeat pulse we've got breathing we've got like waves on the beach and tides and we've got um, planets in orbit and day and night and evening and morning and weeks months years seasons god created everything in the context of rhythm we walk with a stride. We walk in rhythm. So all of a sudden, I was like, okay, so if 
if he says, I don't give you a spirit of fear, but I give you power, love, and a sound mind, then please give me a framework for which to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I I can think that all day long, and I can pray it, and I can believe it, and I'm going to preach it, I'm going to try to live it, but how do I live it? Mm-hmm. And that's really what this third book was about. It was this field guide for fear. It was, mm-hmm. It's this idea of like, what is the everyday practical approach that we can date submitting to this, this um, framework, boundary of rhythm for our good and mm-hmm. for our flourishing. And mm-hmm. actually, it's been really joyful. It's, it's kind of, you know, you lose your life and you find it again. Right. You're like, oh, this is, this is a book about being becoming human again. Sure. <laughs> You're sure. not we're not robots we are not ai we're not machines we are human and so we don't need to act as if we're always on or that we should never shut down or that we should never detox like no our bodies have limitations for a reason we are not god (laughs) (laughs) so i'm going to embrace that and i'm going to ask god to show me how to become human in the way that he intended from the beginning and um, that's really what this journey has been about Mm mm-hmm well, you know, anxiety and stress are so widespread in our society these days. And I know even with many of the artists that I work with in our community, anxiety has been like public enemy number one. And I'm curious from your perspective and from the research you've done, why do you think this is such a prevalent part of our culture? Oh, goodness. Well, anxiety is because our worth is so much attached to our latest accomplishment. So there's this fear of unworthiness. Mm -hmm. And if we stop, you know, doing the thing that is pushing a ball forward, then all of a sudden we're unloved. We're not worthy of love unless we earn it. Mm -hmm. So we feel this, this deep intrinsic feeling of insignificant. It's all a lie. I mean, it's all completely a lie, but for whatever wounds or whatever ways we receive love growing up, it's not our parents' fault. It, I, I really do believe we all give the best of what we can to the next generation. But somehow, subconsciously, we still start to believe these lies that that we're not quite worthy of God and not worthy of love and not quite worthy of just like human flourishing and dignity. So we just like overwork all the time just to continue to prove ourselves and to earn that favor. I mean, this goes back to Galatians, the book on freedom. Paul is like, you keep trying to earn all this favor with God. You already have it. <laughs> There's real, Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. You're just going back into legalism and the law and religion. Stop. You, you readily accepted this free message. And then all of a sudden you're looking at the right and left going, oh, well, they look more spiritual. I need to add that back in. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's like we just have a hard time just that the gospel is so true and the good news is so good that like, no, you're loved not for what you do, Mm -hmm. um, but just because of who you are and and that he delights in that. And so, and I think that the reason why we're anxious is because we have worked ourselves so hard because of that lie. We've worked ourselves so hard that our body can't keep up anymore. Mm-hmm. and we don't feel permission to rest, and we think we have to run to earn rest instead mm-hmm. of run fueled from a posture of rest. Mm-hmm. Rest, you can't run if you cannot rest. So, like, rest should send us out, mm-hmm. out of an overflow, mm-hmm. not like, oh, I just can't wait to make it. Thank God it's Friday, you know? Right. Like, instead, we're just, like, collapsing at the end of the week mm-hmm. versus being re- re- restored or refueled. Mm-hmm. And so the input rhythms are rest and, cre- and, rest and restore, and the output rhythms are connect and create. And I think for the majority of us, our worth is attached to create. 
and there's not as much of a, you don't get paid to rest, mm -hmm. so it's not valued um, as much, but yet that is the superpower in which the rest of these things are built. And it's the foundational rhythm, and if God himself rested, certainly he's not optional about it for us. Mm -hmm. He commands the land to rest. He exiles his people because they don't obey. And so for 70 years, they are gone because they never obeyed for those 70 cycles of seven. And I think that's so fascinating. God's like, this isn't, I'm not casual about this. It's like a decree. Mm -hmm. And if you don't obey, your work's going to rest in about seven years anyways. <laughs> it's going to be called burnout. <laughs> <laughs> so you could choose to obey and submit to these boundaries, your frailty, you're not God, you're mm -hmm. human. So stop acting as if you're invincible, submit to these boundaries, and then enjoy the fruit of rest. He, he mm -hmm. rests on the seventh day and then he blesses that day. Guess what? Rest precedes blessing. Mm -hmm. There's there's so much um, that God has favor. He's like, I'm gonna grant all this favor on you and, and the land will prosper and your people will prosper if you obey this just simple command to rest. Mm -hmm. Because I think the reason why we need it so desperately is we need to be reminded of our frailty. Mm -hmm. We need to be very in tune with our humility to go like, we're not saving ourselves. There's something, there's a fixed point beyond us that we can look at and go, it's like, this is the source of our strength. Mm -hmm. And we can settle in there and receive. Mm -hmm. So rest is for your spiritual health, restores your physical health. If you if your inner life is okay with God, then, then what do you do? Do you have energy? Do you need to get out and walk? You know, there's so much science in the book. Every chapter has research and science because mm -hmm. I think faith and science complement each other. They don't they have to go together. God made our bodies. He knows what we need, and He uses all means necessary to heal us. So, part of that is like go outside, take a brisk walk, raise your you know your heart level for your heart rate for 15 minutes, and serotonin is released in your brain, which is a happy hormone. So, yes, we can take SSRIs as medication, but we can also get outside and exercise, and it will still give us that same like exuberance and confidence and leadership and stamina. It's like okay. I should probably do that every day. Mm -hmm. And then also, what do we eat for fuel? You know, do we have, sh sh you know, sugar and caffeine on, on you know, auto drip? Or are we eating f food from the ground and in the wholest version that we can and making sure that we're not crashing midday? And mm -hmm. some of this is common sense, you know, but we just don't think it really matters until it does. Sure. <laughs> and, and sometimes we forget these things, you know. And I was just sitting here thinking, too, as we're talking about rest, rest is such an important part of the creative process. And just having that space to step away from a project or step away from engagement and recalibrate your own heart, your own mind, your own being. And so I love that you began the book with rest. You start with rest and restore, and then uh, you go into connect and create. Uh, being the final one, which I think is wonderful. One more question for you though, on this idea of resting and then uh, dealing with the anxiety in our culture. I had a personal experience a few weeks ago where I got to go on a silent retreat. It was my first silent retreat with a wonderful Jesuit community up in Wisconsin. And so I turned my iPhone off for the weekend. I told my wife, you know, I'm, I'm gonna turn the phone off for a couple of days. And because of the nature of the work that I do, my relationship with this phone is, is constant sometimes. It's so for so many of us. But turning that, just turning my phone off for 48 hours and going back into that inward place of rest, I think it helped with some anxiety in my own life. And when I came out of the retreat, 
I didn't want to have the same relationship with the phone that I had before I moved into it. I wonder if you had any thoughts on something like that. Yes. So my second chapter in the rest rhythm is tech detox. So the first one's take inventory of your life, what's right, what's wrong, what's confused and what's missing and quit something. <laughs> and then that leads me to the next chapter, which is maybe you quit your phone. <laughs> and so I quit. Uh, I got off my phone last year when I was writing this book uh, for three months. It was the summer. I was like, I'm in a, I'm in a create rhythm hardcore right now. And the last thing I needed to be doing is losing five hours a day looking at what everybody else is doing. That's like not going to help get this goal hit. And, and also my dad had died in April and I was starting to, you know, spiral into depression and I knew what that looked like. And I just did not want to hemorrhage publicly. It wasn't going to honor the process of grief and it certainly wasn't going to help me heal. So I took three months off. God asked me to do it for Lent and I was like, it's not a big deal. And so I basically disobeyed. And then by <laughs> June, I felt so convicted. Like, if you don't do it today, you are completely belligerent. <laughs> you are like outright <laughs> disobedient and you can't afford not to. So I did. Mm -hmm. And it was the same thing. I write in the tech detox chapter that I started sleeping again, dreaming again. When I say dreaming, not during sleep, but I mean like imagining new things in my journal, like original ideas and then um, learning again. Cause I just had all this time back. I was just taking these long walks and I was reading audiobooks and, you know, podcasts and reading books constantly. Cause I like to research a lot, especially when I'm writing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I feel more alive this summer than I have in a, a few years. Mm -hmm. And I'm grieving the death of my dad and still feel so held by God, so kept, so, and it's almost like tucked in the wing, right? That safe place of, mm -hmm. of quiet. Mm -hmm. It was my family, but other than that, it's pretty quiet. And finally, in the end of it, you're right. I didn't, I, I was very cautious to reenter because by the time I got back on three months later, I was like, oh, what are the new things people are talking about? You can do on, you know, how there's updates every three months or whatever. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't even know you could do this. And I feel weird and I don't know how to reengage. And even now, Gabe was joking me when the book was about to release, you have to be on more. And we had brought a girl home from China nine months ago. So I professionally benched myself for nine months leading into the book launch, which is not smart <laughs> by all intents and purposes. But I just really believe that God had said, I've got this part. I need you to steward what I've given you. You brought a little girl home with Down syndrome. Attachment takes six to nine months to form. You need to bench yourself professionally. And when she starts kindergarten, you're going to start launching your book. And that's exactly what happened. And he was so kind. He just opened doors before I even actually knew they were there. And that's kind of how this, this, this release has been. It's been very much him showing off and me being like, wow, thank you. I didn't, I didn't expect any of those things. And yet I think it was that the other side of a surrendered yes. Cause even saying yes to adopting her, I had to be like, I guess this means I could probably be done writing and speaking. I don't, mm -hmm. I need to be willing to push all those chips back in the table and surrender my life yet again. Mm -hmm. And tech detox, I think if, if an average team spends nine over nine hours a day on social media, um, that is like, these are the prime years for them to get input from us as parents, from us as communities, um, for them, for the formation of them as adults. Mm -hmm. And I thank goodness, um, 
we can't even be sensitive to that if we're distracted as the adults, mm-hmm. right? Like we've got to steward these years so well. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think I'm grateful that everyone's waking up to it. Mm-hmm. It's like we all just like got woke in the last year. <laughs> <laughs> from our own struggle or someone we love we're like okay nobody is now clueless about the fact that we're spinning out of control thankfully we we are now aware we cannot claim ignorance now it's about what do we do mm-hmm. how do we reclaim and recover our life and mm-hmm. jesus says come get away with me and you'll recover your life and you'll find rest for your soul and mm-hmm. i think that's why rest is the foundation mm-hmm. because it really does keep us in a posture of release and surrender to go god this life is not my own I've been bought with a price, I've been set free, and my answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Even the narrow way or whatever you ask me to do, the answer is yes. And sometimes that means be quiet Mm -hmm. and go on a silent retreat. And sometimes that means you talk about God on national television, um, and He's the one who orders those things, and you trust it. You don't Mm -hmm. try to force it. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. One chapter that you wrote that's really close to my heart in the restore section is permission to play. And... Play is one of the foundational elements of creativity. I, I, I love playfulness, and I'm, I would love to hear you talk some about why permission to play is important. Well, because play and control cannot coexist. And what I learned in this, my adult life, really, I remember getting on, uh, once I was starting to walk a healing journey in New York, and I started seeing the world in living color, I was like, there's all these museums and art and history and culture. I mean, New York's old, right? Like, there's so much here right in front of my fingertips. Like, and, and so all of a sudden, I just got excited. I would like jump on the subway that used to give me panic attacks and be like, I'm going to go have an artist date, like Julia Cameron in yeah, the artist yeah. way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just soak this in once a week. I'm going to give myself an hour to just like basically ins- be inspired. And I was hopping off the train one day and I'm like, I have given myself permission to play. Mm-hmm. Like, why do we stop playing when we become adults? You know, <laughs> part of like the whole idea of play is like you said, like, and I talk a lot about that in the create rhythm. It's like we do home movies with our kids and we stir imagination and Pierce was convinced we would build him a roller coaster, which unfortunately (laughs) we couldn't quite deliver on. But this idea of like, why do we have to take no for an answer? There's probably always a creative way to approach something that maybe doesn't exist. And I think that that gives God so much delight when he watches his creation do that. When he watches us humans Mm -hmm. do that because he's like that's exactly how i formed you Mm -hmm. through just this holy imagination and when he sees us start to walk in that and to appreciate that and have gratitude for it um man i'm so inspired by people who are doing things that like i've like never it like blows my mind i've never Mm -hmm. even heard of that or thought of that and like how good is god to give you that imagination through play Mm -hmm. to discover and wake to some of those things Before we conclude our conversation with Rebecca, I want to take a moment to tell you that tickets for the Breath in the Clay Creative Arts Gathering are now on sale at early bird prices. If you aren't familiar with the Breath in the Clay, you can visit thebreathintheclay.com for details. The event takes place March 20th through 22nd in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and is a three-day event full of performances, keynote talks, a juried art gallery, and our community of artists from around the world. A few of the guests for this year include Scott Erickson, Jeremy Cowart, Will Reagan, and of course, the Makers and Mystics podcast. Visit thebreathintheclay.com to see our full roster 
and reserve your tickets while seats are still available. Well, these chapters on rest and restore and connect, they lead us to create. And I love that you start with rest and you end with create. And a quote from your book in the create chapter, you said, the world's method of creation demands production, striving and hustle. It is also rooted in self-expression and crowd satisfaction, characteristics diametrically opposed to the holy rhythms of creation. Tell me some about how creativity can come from this place of rest as opposed to the hustle and the striving that is so prevalent in our culture. Well, most of my original thoughts, like, so for create, for me, that's with words, vocabulary, sentence structure. I don't know why I care so much, but I get so excited about, um, I was a, I was called Becca book as a kid. And (laughs) I now know that readers make writers and, but I never would have imagined like publishing a book that was like beyond again, my wildest thought. But, but what I have found in my own life is that when I get a rhythm of rest, when my, it, my like there's a chapter in morning routine, it's all about journaling. And so again, the morning pages through the artist's way would always be like, the first 40 minutes after you wake, your natural ego defenses are down, you're most in tune with your subconscious, so that's when it's best to write. And so I just like, it's just ongoing dialogue with God that would really actually provide like aha moments and insights and connecting the dots. And almost this revelation of going, huh, I I mean, I mean, this isn't a mystery to God, but it certainly has been to me. But now it's making sense and it's cohesive. And this is probably going to be art one day in a book. Like I wasn't trying to do it. I wasn't chasing it down. I was just in a rhythm of rest and release and surrender. But in that communion with God, I think he's like, I am the master creator. I'm actually going to give you some insight that is going to feel a little bit like an aha moment, even these concepts of rhythm, it's going to feel aha, even though we all know it's not, it's like, it's not new. It's like, of course you should need friends and you should eat well and you should sleep. <laughs> it's like, it's like 101. But yet for whatever reason, it's like, I'm going to give it to you in a creative way that's going to have handles and framework for people. And all of a sudden that will become art. Mm-hmm. And that it's just amazing. I feel like all he does is he is the he's the artist, and then all our lives are expressions of reflecting that art on some in some small measure. And if for me and for all of us, if it comes from rest and it comes from beauty and contentment and peace and gratitude, then that is actually how the the person on the other side is going to receive it when they get to experience your art, the mm-hmm. art that you create. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's art that's made out of like frustration and strife, you know, it's not going to actually be true, and it certainly isn't going to compel someone to engage. Um, not that it's not. I mean, we see tormented art out there sure. historically. <laughs> that, that's I'm not saying that's not there, and people. Are, but it's really more for like the the spectacle than it is for nourishment. Mm-hmm. And I hope as believers we can create art for for nourishment and for um, restoration. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for taking this time with us. I really appreciate the work that you and Gabe are doing, and I'm a fan, and I can't wait to get this book in the hands of our audience. I appreciate that. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for the time. Yes, thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Makers and Mystics, and leave us a kind review on iTunes. We'll see you again next week. Or if you're part of the online creative collective, 
I'll see you each Wednesday night in November for our book discussion of Erwin McManus's The Artisan Soul. 